show here and you had just a, a laundry list of stuff to talk about today but probably the one thing that I that we were talking about that I just would like for you to kind of touch on real quick because of the customers that I deal with and the stuff that they do is kind of some changes in the in the uh, depreciation schedule uh, with uh, concern to leases yep yeah we'll definitely talk on the leases uh, but first case is everything is just you know so so hot right now the IRS just released some proposed regulations last night again so we've had actually three different sets of proposed regulations so you might say what are these things about well you have the internal revenue code which is what you know congress actually passes the tax law right and it gets enacted into the statute but then the irs can interpret certain things provide more details of the code if, if congress kind of grants them the authority to do this so what the irs has been doing here lately in the last two three weeks has been issuing their interpretations, you know, more specifics about how things work. So these are called proposed regulations. They're not final yet, meaning they're not officially, you know, been approved, but it gives us a good indication of uh, where things are going. So just last night, they issued some proposed regulations regarding the state and local income tax rules. And don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but basically, as a reminder, for the first time ever in 2018, you're going to be capped as an individual taxpayer. You can now deduct no more than $10,000 of like state income tax, uh, property tax type stuff. So you're capped at $10,000. It's one of the big, big revenue raisers in, in the tax bill. So, however, like for donations, you're really not limited uh, unless you get real high donations. Then it, then it just carries over. So what some of these states were doing is saying, okay, well, we'll just, how about a taxpayer just, just, we'll just treat this payment to the state as a donation, right? So it's not a state income tax payment, it's a donation. And then the state would give the taxpayer a tax credit back. So big picture, this it would be a wash for the state, but the taxpayer would be able to deduct this payment, not as state income tax, but as a donation. So it was, a work, it was basically a way around this $10,000 cap. And so these proposed regulations from the IRS kind of said, no, you can't do that, um, you know, they, they disallowed it. So a number of states are actually fighting whether the IRS has the authority to do this. So just, just I think the big big reminder here is that state income tax, property tax, is capped at $10,000 for individual taxpayers. So we talked about that before. But, um, again, this, this just came out last night. just wanted to remind uh, your listeners on that point. Okay. I, wish, I wish taxes were just a voluntary donation. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the, I mean, the IRS is saying. It's really not a donation, right? Because you're getting, we're giving you this money back, right? So, but yeah, it was, it was a convenient workaround, but I, it's, it's going to go to court. I mean, there's going to be states challenging whether, whether it's, you know, proper to, to prevent that. So we haven't heard the last of that, but so that just came out yesterday. So that was one proposed regulation just yesterday. Uh, the first proposed regulation that we haven't talked about yet, this happened, uh, about August 1st, as I recall, was this bonus depreciation uh, regulations. And as a reminder, for the first time ever, we can now bonus depreciate used equipment. Before, it was all it had to be new equipment, 
And the nice thing about bonus depreciation, as opposed to like say what we call Section 179, was there was no limit on this. So you could be buying, you know, I mean, the big companies could be buying equipment and able to write 100% of it off. But then again, that had to be new equipment. But for 2018 here, actually a little bit in 2017, now used equipment counts. Okay, so it's a pretty big deal. Used equipment counts, but what it's what they said was, you know, the law was like, well, you can't have used the equipment before. So the taxpayer, you know, can't have purchased the equipment before, can't have used it before to get this. So one of the questions that was out there is, well, what if I'm a, you know, I'm a farmer here and I, I'm leasing a combine, right? And it's based on engine hours, and so I'm not purchasing; it's just a lease, you know, based on maybe one harvest season. And I leased it, and now I want to buy it. Is that going to be eligible for this bonus depreciation? Because have I technically used it before or not, right? So what these proposed regulations said was as long as you didn't have a, quote, depreciable interest in the property, meaning you didn't really have it on your depreciation schedule, and you wouldn't if it was an operating lease, like, you know, based on engine hours, you're going to be able to bonus depreciate it. So good news that, um, you know, you could maybe try out a piece of equipment, lease it, and then buy it later and still have all the same tax benefits as if you had you know bought it initially so maybe a trial run there so that was the big thing on those regulations for bonus appreciation the other thing they said though which is which was nice is if i'm buying out a you know a partner in a partnership and there's a lot of equipment in that partnership and i buy out their partnership interest right maybe it's a one it's a three partner partnership but i'm going to buy out a third of this interest you know one of my partners and there's equipment in there, I can bonus depreciate that purchase price, okay? Because, hey, I'm, I'm really buying the equipment, even though I'm actually buying a partnership unit. In case that you'll remember, they know that partnerships are kind of like you're buying the underlying assets. Not You're not buying the stock like with an S-Corp. So right. that was nice, too, that if I buy out a partner individually, I get bonus depreciation. But interestingly, if the partnership, again, let's assume that three-partner partnership, if the partnership buys out that one partner, right, it's called a redemption. You know, the, the actual partnership buys it out, not a, not a particular partner. The IRS says you do not, the partnership does not get to bonus depreciate that purchase. So definitely if you've got any transactions upcoming with partnerships, you know, whether where you're indifferent, whether the partnership buys this person out or the individual people buy them out, Check with your tax person, and that you know we should always say that on this podcast. You know, I'm giving general over, overview here, not not technically tax advice. You should always check with your tax advisor. But it does matter whether you're purchasing a partnership interest directly, or whether the actual partnership is redeeming it. So, I, it's bottom line is it's complicated. That's kind of crazy that yeah, one part if you're doing it one same exact situation, but if you're doing it one way, it's fine. If you're doing it the other way, it's fine. So. What would be an example of that? So if you had three partners or something like that, and two of them were going to buy out one partner, and that, then that partnership was going to buy out that equipment, like three yep. brothers farming or something like that, and one brother's yep. getting out or whatever? Yep, exactly. No, sorry about it, but we can't. you can't depreciate that out. Yeah, I mean, well, you can depreciate it, but you can't immediately write it off in that first year or okay. part of it off. So You can do it like yeah. a regular, yeah. like a regular a five or seven years schedule. You have two yeah. of the people that want to stay actually buy out half of the person that wants to get out, right? Right. That's one option. Option A. Option B is the partnership just buys out that person. In the end, you're economically in the exact same place, but the tax code treats it very differently. Now, I will say, Casey, this, these are proposed regulations, and the, and the IRS takes comments. There's a hearing, and so it could be that you know they end up changing that and say, well, that's not really. It doesn't really make sense. You know, that 
if I redeem somebody, I don't get bonus appreciation. So that, that could be something that changes. Yeah. So. Okay. So that's, that's the second proposed regulation that came out in August, which was on bonus appreciation. Okay. Now let's revisit the big one that came out, 199 regulations. Okay, we'll get a little more, a little more details on this, talking about some specific equipment kind of purchase things that I wanted to touch on. We didn't have quite enough time last time to do that. So just as a reminder, um, this 199A is, you know, about getting this 20% deduction, right? If I have $100,000 of income for easy math, you know, I actually might only pay tax on $80,000 because I get this kind of free $20,000 deduction, right? So it's a pretty good deal. If my income, and this is a pretty high limit still, if my income is over as, as a married filing joint person, if it's over $315,000, I don't automatically get that deduction. There's a couple of limits I have to work through, okay? So again, this is only if you're over 315. Okay. And it's 50% of wages is one limit. Uh, so I can pick the greater of these. So 50% of wages or 25% of wages plus 2.5% of the qualified property that I kind of have in, in service you know, my, my tractors, my grain bins, things of that nature. So I can, I can pick the greater of them. So just to get a little more specific then think through this, you know, I then would need $40,000. If I have a hundred thousand dollars of income, I would need to have $40,000 of wages, right? So I, my wages need to be 40% of my taxable income because then, right, $40,000 of wages times 50% is $20,000. And that's, I need my wages to at least be $40,000, right? So, again, that's only if you're over $315,000, but it certainly could come into play. So that's one angle. So, hey, do you have wages more than that or not, right? That's something we're, we're really looking at on our clients. Now, if I don't have that much wages, then they did give us another option, which is 25% of my wages plus 2.5% of my qualified property, right? So... I'm not totally done. So let's assume for some reason we don't have any wages, right? No wages whatsoever. What does my qualified property need to be? If you do the math on this, my qualified property needs to be eight times my profit, okay? Just trust me on this calculation, but eight times my profit. So the bottom line is there could be incentive, and I guess there would be incentive for somebody to say, hey, I'm just going to go buy some equipment or you know, whatever it might be. You know, I want to buy some equipment at the end of the year just to get my qualified property up, right, at a higher level. And then maybe maybe I'll think I'm going to sell this equipment, you know, shortly thereafter year end, and I've kind of, you know, I've kind of got a workaround on this limitation, right? Well, Darius said, no, we're going to put it into what's called an anti-abuse rule. And it basically says if you purchase this, you know, this is important. If you purchase a, a tractor, let's say, Within the last 60 days, so basically, you know, roughly October 31st, right? So if you buy a tractor in the last two months of the year, and then you sell it in the first two months of the next year, okay, and you didn't really use it for like 45 days during that period, we're not going to let you have, we're not going to let you be able to call that qualified property for that limit, right? So it puts us kind of in a bind because we don't know. You know what the intention of we don't necessarily check with people hey did you sell that tractor in january right or do the tax returns but but you should just know there is this anti-abuse provision that says hey if you buy it within the last 60 days of the year and then kind of sell it in the first 60 days of the year you may not actually get be able to work around this limitation so they're always trying to do a little answer it's called anti-abuse so but obviously if you bought it you know 
before that, and you, I mean, this is the, you know, everything, you have to draw a line somewhere, right? So if I bought it on September 15th and I sold it on, you know, March 15th, it would be okay, right? It's just the details. So just know that 60-day rule is out there. And again, it's just to try to prevent somebody from, you know, hey, I need, if they know, I need eight times, you know, eight times my profit needs to be in equipment. And if you know, hey, I don't have that right now, you know, you're kind of out of luck. So it's, it's an anti-abuse provision. Okay. So they're all kind of think ahead, but it's, it's a bright line test, yeah. 60 days. So. so if I buy, if I have a customer that comes in and says, man, I have a tax issue and I need to buy, I need to spend 50 grand, right? Okay, great. What do you, what do you get him a little tractor or something like that? A little $50,000 tractor in December. And if he turns around and comes back to me in February 15th, yeah. And says, hey, man, man, that tractor you sold me, right. I decided I want something different now. I'm going to trade it back in. He could have a tax penalty. Correct. Yeah, that's a great point. Even on a, that's an excellent point. I hadn't thought about that yet. But even on a trade-in, that would that would, that would would hurt because we've talked about that before that, you know, you can't do a trade-in. Now, here's the weird thing, though, Casey. This this is just 2.5% of the, the benefit I'm going to get is 2.5% of what I bought. So if I bought a $100,000 tractor, right, it's not a lot, right, 2500 bucks. And then it's the tax rate on that. So this is kind of peanuts. But just to be clear, you could still buy a tractor. <coughs> you could buy a tractor on, you know, say November 15th. So in that 60-day period, and you can ride it. You can depreciate it. You can Section 179 it and get the benefit in that year and then sell it the following year. They're not actually preventing the normal kind of depreciation. You know what I'm saying? They're just they're just trying to prevent this 2.5% thing, which is actually fairly minor if you think about it. So in that, that case, he'd have. So you could buy a tractor, write it off, <coughs> sell it the next year. There's never been a prohibition against that. If you know, if, as long as you had it for use. But so they put in a, a rule for this two and a half percent thing, which is kind of minor. So it's probably not going to happen too much because most people are first concerned about being able to appreciate it, right? right. Yeah. Not this two and a half percent limit. So that's so that it, the exercise that I gave just a minute ago with the fifty thousand dollar tractor deal. Yeah. He'd have to pay twelve hundred fifty dollars. That'd be his tax basis, right? And then you'd have to pay his tax on that. So if he's at a hundred percent, is that? Yeah, it's it's not it's not even hard that we're talking about. It. I mean, it's just it's just minor. But the big thing is, if he buys a fifty thousand dollar tractor in twenty eighteen, you know, they can write that right. off, yeah, right, against their taxes. And then if you trade it off in nineteen, you would have to. That would be income. But you know, maybe that's what you you know you've created a deduction one year, income the next year. So it's kind of a weird rule because it's. It's pretty small, pretty small status because it's only two and a half, two and a half percent. You know, the depreciation I can deduct a hundred percent, right? Right. This is like only two and a half percent. That's and important. That's going to be my next point on leasing. So, so broad strokes, if you are over this, you know, and against quite a bit of income still, three hundred fifteen thousand. If you're one of those people that's over that, and that that includes off farm income, we're not just talking about your farm income. It's literally your taxable income on your return. So, include you know off farm income, spouse income, whatever it is. It right now, if you really think about it, leasing, you know, a, a piece of equipment on an operating lease is 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 worse off than it used to be. So let's work through that. Why do I say that? Well, in both cases, whether you lease a piece of equipment or whether you buy a piece of equipment, eventually, over time, you're going to be able to write off the entire lease payment, right, as you pay it, 
and you're basically going to be able to write off the whole loan payment either through depreciation on the, on the principal portion and then, then interest, right, is deductible too. So either way, we get to eventually deduct this, this $100,000 tractor over time. Leasing is generally, you know, as you pay it, whereas if you buy it with a loan, you you know, you can write it off in the first year. But let's factor in this new one nine a thing. If you remember this, and this is why we get so complicated. So a tractor is about, a, it's a seven-year life, okay? The preschool life, if you don't write it off. But for this 2.5% rule, I get to, to get this 2.5% deduction, right? If, if I'm limited, right? I get to do that for 10 years. So it's a different, if it's, it's a different life. So the, the bottom line is, if I buy a tractor and I don't sell it for 10 years, I get to write it off, right? Maybe over seven years. So that's, that's my $100,000 deduction. But then I get this 2.5% for 10 years, right? So 2.5% times 10 is 25%. So in effect, you could think of it, if I'm going to be subject to this limitation, maybe I don't have wages, very much wages, I'm in effect going to be able to depreciate this tractor 125%. That makes sense. I, I'm going to be able to write it off initially, and then I get this two and a half percent times ten kind of gift. So, if I buy a piece of equipment, I kind of get to depreciate it 125 percent. If I lease it, I get, only get 100 percent. Okay. So, in theory, leasing is is a little worse off if you're over again. If you're not over 315,000, you would not care. But uh, it's just kind of interesting to think about. There's some new rules. Now, like buildings and things, you actually get this deduction, this two and a half percent for for uh, thirty nine years. So it's it's a very uh, much longer more longer cycle. But so there is a a little more benefit to owning something uh, if you're subject to these limitations because of that, because it's qualified property, right? Remember that I need my qualified property to be high. If I just lease something, I can I can make the lease payment in December and I get a deduction for that, but it doesn't increase my qualified property. So. So again, all things equal, you know, an operating lease is, is, is not quite as advantageous as it used to be. But remember, these 199A rules are set to sunset after 2025 is the last year. So, you know, these things aren't around all that long. Who knows what might happen? So it's hard to, you know, make decisions based on a temporary provision in the tax code. But that, that is what we have. So uh, it's, it's kind of crazy that you can depreciate a piece of equipment out 125 percent so if yeah. i buy a four hundred thousand dollar combine yep i'm going to get an extra hundred thousand dollars it's that 20 percent right that i'm right. getting that's why so on a building actually you know a building is 39 years that's awful close to 40 i'm pretty sure right right case pretty real close. close to 40 pretty close one divided by 40 years is two and a half percent yep and so really on a building i effectively get to depreciate it twice if i if if this rule is going to be in place for 40 years which i don't think it is but so it's it's just uh you know they didn't give us in theory case they probably if no it would have been more complicated they probably should have given a higher rate on a, a piece of equipment right I, in other words it's two and a half percent whether it's a building or whether it's a tractor right, right. probably would have made more sense to say hey a tractor needs a higher rate of return you know than a building you know maybe it should have been ten percent right but they didn't do that you know because that would have been more complicated so this is just two and a half percent so for a lot of, you know, for tractors that we might only, you know, if we only own the tractor for five years, then we're only getting that 2.5% for five years. So it's okay. it's probably not a whole lot, you know, you'd really want to be, question, you know, be careful to, to 
you got to really push the pencil on this, but it's only two and a half percent. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. And again, it's, it's just my tax rate on two and a half percent. So, but you've got to think through it. Um, if you're going to be limited on this, you want to want to try to see either by can I or do, do I need more wages, right, or do I need more qualified property um, to to get this full twenty percent? Because otherwise, you're not going to get the full twenty percent. So, what about some of these larger entities? You know, that have uh, I don't like we have customers that have five or six million dollars worth of just equipment. You know, not counting trucks and trailers and so on and so forth. So you might they might be banging. $10 million worth of stuff. Yep. That 2.5% is kind of a big deal at, 10, at that yeah, point. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, and, and they're, they're likely to be more over that 315000 Yeah, so the real right. big big players, you know, the more sophisticated, they're, they are probably pushing the pencil on this because every dollar matters, ultimately. And you do know what the rules are now. Again, maybe in a few years they'll change. But um, So anyway, just remember that rule about the 60 days. Um, 60 days before is 60 days after. But, but the big issue, you can still write it off and, and then recapture it later so so if you're a bigger if you're a bigger farmer like that or a rancher or whatever and you have a big pile of equipment like that yeah there's no really i mean other than the cash flow how how the lease affects your cash flow right there's no yeah. real benefit tax wise there's not a big benefit to leasing the equipment i yeah i think you know off the cuff here i think that's a fair point because this they they've put the irs you know the treasury department has put preference on hey you've got to have qualified property you know depreciable property land, as a reminder land doesn't count so land is not depreciable so that doesn't count towards your towards your basis but yeah you need eight times uh, you know whatever your price if you know what your profit is you need eight times the qualified property you're going to get limited so um, so yeah i'm sure the big the big players will look at this pretty hard yeah. so Okay. Yep. Wow. A lot to think about today, Glenn. As usual. Always something. So. But yeah. Yeah, you know, talk to your tax advisor on this. We're giving high. I know we're getting into some specifics, but it's it's real hard to give the tax advice. We're not giving tax advice here, but hopefully, it's giving you know your viewers an idea, your your listeners an idea of some things to talk about with your tax advisors. Yep. Coming up on year end here. So. Yep. Yep. Last quarter of the year is fastly approaching, Glenn. So. Since we're heading into that time of the year and guys want to ask you some questions and, or maybe get some clarification on some of the stuff that we're talking about here, how would they do that? You know, the best thing is reach me. Uh, phone number here at Heinold Banward is 309-694-4251, or you can also look me up on Twitter at, at Glenn Burnbaum. Okay. Glenn, um, always, man, you, you have given me something to think about here for the rest of the day, so I appreciate that, and we will talk again next week. All right, Casey, thank you. All right, thanks, bud. Moving higher in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.